Some of you came in this morning, you're like, man, they changed everything back. Remember when we had a campfire and went camping on uh, Mother's Day? That was fun, wasn't it? Some of you are like, oh, they changed it back. Some of you are like, yes, they changed it back. Either way, it's okay. Today is a great day. Uh, We're going to do some amazing things in the next few minutes. Uh, We're going to open up God's Word, and uh, we're going to see baptisms, and we're going to celebrate uh, God's grace in our lives. We want to start off this morning by uh, reading a creed. Uh, Right at the beginning, uh, when the church was starting to form, this group of people got together and said, this is what we believe, this church, these group of people that were following Jesus. And so on the screen, we're going to have the Apostles' Creed. I've asked some friends to help me out. We're going to read, and I want you to follow along on the screen and kind of, maybe you want to whisper it uh, in your heart or even out loud this morning. It goes like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Y en Jesucristo, su único Hijo, nuestro Señor, que fue concebido por obra y gracia del Espíritu Santo, nació de la Virgen María, padeció bajo el poder de Poncio Pilato, fue crucificado, muerto y sepultado, descendió a los infiernos. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your spirit. I pray that it would would be present in this place. Lord, we've already sensed your presence, God. I pray that your spirit would press into our hearts through your word in the next few minutes, Lord. And we give you all the glory in your name. Amen. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Did you know it was your birthday today? Today is the birthday of the church. That's right. Woohoo! Happy birthday, church. That's right. Did anybody get any cowbells? Uh, there you go. Woohoo! Now, when it's a birthday in your house, do you have any traditions? Do you have any birthday traditions in your family? Uh, ponder those in your mind. Think about those a little bit. Traditions of birthdays. In my house growing up, a couple of traditions we had. Uh, we had the uh, birthday song that uh, we sing. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, uh, we also got to uh, uh, go out to the restaurant of our choice growing up. Now, when I was growing up in Alabama and Selma, uh, we only had a couple of restaurants to choose from. Uh, I went to, these are the two restaurants that I always chose, actually three. Captain D's, that was the fancy restaurant, the fish place in town. Quincy's, I don't know if you know what a Quincy's is, it's like a Ryan Steakhouse. They had the big fat yeast roll, uh, that was pretty awesome. And then McDonald's, uh, because they had a giant circle table that all your friends could sit around. Those were the fanciest restaurants in Selma. Uh, But I don't know what your traditions are in your house or your family. Share with a neighbor right now your birthday traditions, if you have any. Maybe it's birthday spankings. All right. Anybody willing to share their weird and wacky family traditions? Anybody want to share a tradition of their family? 
any weird things. You go out to restaurants, you sing songs. Can I just confess, I can't stand it personally. I don't mind if you want to do this in a restaurant, but if you're a friend of mine and it's my birthday, do not tell the wait staff that it's my birthday. I do not want anyone to sing in public and me wearing some strange hats and don't do it. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm not even going to be around on my birthday for that very reason. Well, today is the church's birthday, but it's not HFC's birthday, okay? It's not, uh, it's Ruth's, and also today is my sister Jessica's birthday. She's the only one that listens to the podcast, uh, so shout out to you, Jessica, when you listen to this in a couple of weeks. So happy birthday to her. Uh, it's not HFC's birthday. It's not, you know, just this place. It's the church universal. Now, we, we read this thing, the Apostles' Creed, earlier, and you saw that word Catholic in there. And some of you might even think, well, isn't that a Catholic thing, okay? Catholic is, is big C, little c, and this Apostles' Creed, it means the word universal. Universal. There wasn't a Catholic church to start off. It was the church, the church, anyone that calls Christ their Lord and Savior, the church coming together. And so the things that we read earlier are things that as, as Christ followers and Christ believers, we unify and we, we proclaim is what we believe and we celebrate uh, together. And so that's what we're celebrating, the first birthday of the church, universal. All right. Now, as, as a family, there's also a couple things that other traditions that I have, we have, we get together and we remember on birthdays. And now that I'm getting older, and I'm now, I feel very old. I think I am in my midlife crisis years, uh, so I need to get a Corvette or something. But I remember back a lot. And maybe if you have kids or remember back to your early days as a kid, you remember your, your birthdays. You go back on your day and you begin to think back to those special moments of your life, your best birthdays, maybe your weirdest birthday, your, your worst birthday. You, you go back and remember. Melanie and I always have that conversation of, do you remember when Bradley was born? Do you remember when, no, remember that day? We think about the different details of the day, and, and that's what I want us to do today. And so if you would, cha- turn in your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 2. We're going to go to the very first day, the birthday of the church. Acts chapter 2 is where we're at. Now to set us up, where we're at uh, in the story of God is this. Jesus has just left. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit this whole series, and uh, Jesus has left, He died on the cross. He rose again. He spent about 40 days with his disciples. He taught them. He he ate with them. And he said, listen, guys, I am leaving, and it's going to be better when I leave. And, of course, their reaction is, what? It's not going to be better. You're going to be gone. He said, no, I'm going to send to you an advocate, a counselor, a person that's going to not just be beside you, but be inside of you, the Holy Spirit working within you, encouraging you and strengthening you and helping you along the way. And so the disciples, remember what happened? They go up with Jesus and Jesus ascends, we talked about this last week, into heaven. He goes to heaven and he leaves them and says, go back and wait for this advocate, this Holy Spirit to come. They pray together. They meet together. They're missing a disciple. Remember Judas? Uh, he deserted and, and uh, sold Jesus out. And so they needed another disciple. They, they voted on that. They sought God. And this Matthias becomes the 12th disciple. Kind of a strange take on the word Matthew. But Matthias is the 12th disciple. They're gathered together now in this upper room, this room area together. And all of the believers, they say. So it's probably at this point about 120 people. 120 believers of Jesus are gathered together in a room, and they're celebrating. And they're celebrating this Pentecost day, Pentecost events. So in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 2, 
uh, it says this. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Has anyone ever been in a tornado before? Have you ever seen a tornado, experienced a tornado? Maybe you've seen it on TV, but have you ever been in a town where there was a tornado? I was in Nashville once, and I got to see, I actually saw the cyclone a couple of miles away, and just is, it's just awe-inspiring, just the, the power and the might of what a tornado looks like. Now, I found on YouTube a video of the sound. There's crazy people out there. I don't know if you know this, but they chase these things around in trucks, and and they try to, I'm sure, help us out with the science, but some people are just crazy, okay? They just chase things like this. And so there's a group of, I don't know if they're crazy or not, but they came up with this video. We're going to play it. These are the sounds of a tornado. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and, and listen. The sound of a tornado. going to bring the wind down a little bit. So that's the sound that suddenly the whole town just hears this mighty force all around. And that force now fills this room up. And what happens next? It looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Keep reading. At the time, there, there, at the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Why were they there? They were there for this feast, this feast of Pentecost that they had. The Jewish folks every year would gather together in Jerusalem for different feasts. So around the countryside, around from other places, people had come into the city for this event, this Pentecost festival and, and feast. They were coming in, living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone around the town, they came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. Now, just a little inside joke here. When they say that, when they, what they mean is these people are all rednecks. How can they speak another language? They can barely speak the one that they know, okay? Because Galilee was like the Alabama of the day. And I can claim that because I'm from there. And yet, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Keep, skip down to verse 10. It says this, And we hear, all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Now, I heard this missionary tell a story once where he was over in a, in, a, in a country in Africa, and he was preaching, and he had a translator, just like we, we've done here before, where you preach, and then someone will translate into the native language of the group that's there. And he's preaching, and the Spirit of God is present in the room, and God is moving in, in his hearts and lives and through Scripture, and he would speak, and the translator would speak and translate. And about halfway through the sermon, he, he preached, and the person didn't translate. So he repeated what he said again, and nothing, no translation. So he repeated it a third time, and he kind of gave the guy the look, you know, like, hey, it's your turn, buddy. Uh, but nothing. And, and the guy finally, the translator, whispered over to him, is like, I don't have to translate. They can hear what you're saying in their own language. That's what happened that day. That's what happened when they were, they were hearing in their own language 
They were hearing in their own language the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now, there were two reactions to that. One, people were amazed. How in the world is this happening? How, I'm hearing it in my own, I can hear it and I can understand it. How is this possible? How is this possible? Now, the second reaction was kind of comical because occasionally there's comic moments in the Bible and somebody said, don't worry about them. They're just drunk, okay? They're just drunk, people. All right, there's, they must have had a little too much to drink, all right? But Peter, he sees the reaction. He hears this conversation and in this moment where the Holy Spirit fills him, he preaches the very first sermon of the church. He preaches the first sermon of the church. And what does he start off with? He says this, listen, listen, these people are not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning, okay? Which, of course, for some reason, I always read that, and I hear somebody scream out from the crowd, but it's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> he said, listen, these people aren't drunk. This is God. This is the Holy Spirit, and he's with us. And he begins to preach, and he talks about scripture, and he pulls up from the Old Testament, and he, then he puts in the right in the center of the sermon is Jesus. Jesus was here. He was God in the flesh. And guess what? You are a part of the reason why he's crucified. He was crucified, dead, and buried, but guess what? He rose again. He preached the gospel that very first day. And what do they do at the end of the sermon? They sang, just as I am, a hundred times, until somebody came down to the altar. Eventually, they came down. Now, that's a, an old tradition thing that we used to do. We'd sing it a lot until somebody would respond. But that's not what they did that day. They said this in, in verse 20 or 37. Peter's words pierced the people's hearts, this crowd that had gathered. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? We've heard God's word. We've, we've sensed the spirit. What do we do now? And so what was the response from Peter? He said this, turn away from your way. Repent. That's turn around. Turn from, from you leading and you being God of your life and the ways that you've been living and turn toward God. Repent and turn toward God. And what? Be baptized. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So there's this combination of be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is so cool, guys. This is, I've been so excited about this week, seeing what God does in, in the Word, because it doesn't just start here, this water and Spirit coming together. And for us to really understand, we can't just go back to the first day of the church. We need to go all the way back to the beginning. Remember the beginning? In the beginning. In the beginning. God was creating. He was making something new in the world. He was creating all kinds of things, us, in his own image. And at the beginning, in the very first verses, he talks about the water being there and him separating the water. And what does he say there in, in verse 2? And the Spirit of God, the Spirit, the Ruach of God was hovering over the surface of the water. So as God is creating, what's present? Spirit and water is present. Then God decides to, to choose a nation. I want a people. I want a people that are going to be my people. They're going to go out into the world, and they're going to be a reflection of me in the world. And so he lines up the nation, and who does he choose? He chooses the runts of all nations. He chooses the nation of Israel, who are, in, are captives and are slaves to, in Egypt. And he says, I choose you. I want you to be my people, which is so significant. And what happens as he pulls them out of Egypt, out of oppression? 
He takes them where? He takes them to the Red Sea, being chased by Pharaoh and his army. And what happens? The wind, the Spirit of God splits open the waters, and the people of God walk through the waters, led by the Spirit of God together, and he takes them to the promised land, through the water, through the Spirit, all coming together. Then there's a story about a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, what's this whole eternal life thing? I don't get it. How do I get this eternal life that you've been talking about in John chapter 3? And Jesus says this, well, you've got to be, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus goes, huh? Uh, what? Born again? I don't get that. How can you be born? How can you go back in your mother's stomach again? How can you do that? I don't know how that's possible. And that Nicodemus is going through that in the conversation. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's a spiritual rebirth. You have to be born of what? What does he say? Water and spirit. Spirit and water working together there. It, it's amazing what God is doing through those two things. Now back to the people of God. That was, that was God's desire, Israel, to be his people. I want you to be my people out in the world. I want you to go and represent me. I want you to, to carry my name, to be a name bearer in the world so that when people see you, they see me. When people hear you, they hear me. When whatever you do, it's going to be a, 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 a mark of who I am in this world. And so what does God do? 50 days after that, that Red Sea experience, 50 days, which by the way, the word Pentecost 50, 50 days after the Red Sea experience, they get the word of God written by the finger of God onto, onto tablets. Moses goes onto Mount Sinai, and he gets the, the Ten Commandments from God. And the people are gathered around this mountain, and there, is, there are clouds of fire that are around. Are you with me? Fire is present, okay, when the word of God comes. And this word of God was meant and written on stone tablets so that the people would know God's heart and they would follow God and would be like him. But there's a problem when it comes to laws. We don't really like them that much, okay? We have a hard time with them, all right? Let me give you an example. If I tell you, do not look behind you, what immediately happens inside of you? I wanna look behind, what's back there? You know, I, I want to look, I wanna turn around and see. Maybe there's a llama there. I don't know. Maybe there's free ice cream. Who knows? So when God says this, this is the law. You need to follow this. This is the, remember the tree? You don't need to eat this tree. What is suddenly this urge inside of us? This rebellious nature that says, but it's probably really tasty. It's probably really good. So we want to rebel against laws. That's just in us, okay? There's a second part of this thing as well. It's when there are laws that are written down like that. That sometimes people become so in love with the laws that they forget the reason in the first place. I heard the story uh, once by a pastor named Scott Daniels, and he talks about this when Methodism was starting in the Southeast. And in Alabama and Georgia and places like that, they would have uh, these Methodist ministers that were, were in the community and churches and places there. And they would have these debutante balls, these, these uh, reasons, excuses to dress up, you know, and to have food and to, and to dance. But there was something wrong with these debutante bond, balls at the time. They were not allowing the poor people to come to the balls. 
It was only those who were rich, those that could afford, those who were the higher-ups in society. So the Methodist minister said, if you're not going to allow everyone to come, then we are boycotting those balls. We are not going to go. If, if everyone can't come, if the poor can't come, then we won't come as well. So guess what happens? The Methodist minister, some of them move west to California where it's beautiful, and uh, there are churches there, and they hear about, in some of these towns, they hear about these square dancing that they have. They have square dancing where everyone is inviting, invited. Everyone is invited, the poor, the rich. We all come together, and we do si do together. But guess what? The Methodist minister said, no, we don't, we don't dance. We don't dance. But why did they say that? Because back then, they came up with a good reason for that law. And they said, it sounds like, a, like Footloose or something, uh, the screenplay from that. But they'd forgotten why they did it in the first place. You know what happens sometimes with laws? People get so caught up in obeying the laws, they forget about the God who made the laws. That they could have this relationship that what God wanted from the very beginning is this. You can be my people, and I will be your God. We're going to have this special relationship in the world. Your heart's going to press into my heart, and we're going to be one in this world, and you're going to represent me. And guess what? That plan didn't work very well with the people because they rebelled, and some got so caught up on the law that they eventually, God said, okay, if you want to do your own thing, if you want to follow other idols, if you want to chase other things, you, you can have it. And God allowed the people of Israel to be captured and taken into captivity until one day this prophet begins to speak. God speaks the words to Ezekiel. Check out these words, what he says. He says this in Ezekiel. He says, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to create in some, you something new again. And he, he says these words, then I will sprinkle what? Water on you and you will be clean. He's talking about what we're talking about today. Your filth will be washed away, your sins will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you what? A new heart, and I will take and a new spirit in you, and I will take that stony, rebellious heart out of you, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, not outside of you, but inside of you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations, and you will live in Israel, the land I give you your ancestors long ago. You will be my people, and I will be your God. When does this all come together? When does it all take place? On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down, the Spirit of God, and what does he do to hearts? He makes them responsive. They were cut to the heart when the Spirit of God and the Word of God was preached by Peter. What an awesome, awesome day. And what was the people's response? They turned and they gave their life to the Lord and they were baptized that day. 3,000 people were baptized on the birthday of the church. 3,000. Think about that. I was just bored this week and 3,000 people, 12 disciples, let's call it one minute per baptism, same day. How long will that last? Engineers in the room, you're doing the math. You got a number? Somebody? Four hours and 10 minutes. Four hours and 10 minutes of baptisms, okay? Wavoosh, wavoosh, wavoosh. Cowbells, cowbells, cowbells. Woohoo! What a day! That would be awesome! Now, if it was two minutes per person, it would be 
eight hours and 20 minutes that were with us today. But what an amazing day. The church is born. People are baptized. They're starting to follow Jesus. And now there's over 3,000 people that are part of this church. So what do they do? You know, now we're a church. What do we, we, we get a building, right? We got to get a building together. And let's get a church sign. We need a church sign, a marquee. That'll be, help us out. And that'll, that's how we'll tell the world about Jesus. And let's just put some, like, I don't know, cheesy church signs out there. Like some of these. No offense to any of these churches that are here. These are straight off of Google, okay? Can't take the heat outside. The church is prayer conditioned. Or how about, have you seen this one maybe before? Does life stink? We have a pew for you. Or maybe this one. Without the bread of life, you're toast. You're, you are toast. They use the you are. Good. I, have to, I used to have to change signs like that. I just kind of going back in my time there. So that they get a marquee, did they get a building? No, they didn't. Because the church is not a building. The church is not a building. This is a place that we come and gather together, yes. But it's not a building. It never has meant to be a building. Now we've all been brainwashed, right? When you hear the word church, what do you think of? You think of this. You think of amazing stained glass windows, which are, are beautiful, and I love them. They're gorgeous. There's some beautiful church buildings, but that is not what God meant when he meant the church. The church are the people of God, God's people. You're going to be my people. I will be your God. We're going to go out into the world, this new creation. God has done a great work in you, and the Spirit led, you're going to live this life, and people are going to see you, and they're going to go, here's God's people. Here's God's people in the world. Look what they're doing. That's, I want to be a part of something like that. And that's what he's saying and he's doing here in this first church. So after that moment, this amazing moment of baptisms, what happens? One of the best scriptures in all, of all the Bible, Acts 2.42, he says this. All the believers, what do they do after this moment? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers, they met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, not just the church people, all the people. And each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. Man, that's the first church. That's what it's all about. Now, another tradition we have in our family on birthdays is we like to take the person and we go around the room and we say, what do you love about that person? What do you like about that person? And so, you know, we'll talk about mom or Briley or Quinn or whoever it is that's there and we'll start to name their qualities that we love. This is the first stuff about the church right here. It's right here. I love what we are reading here. I love the diversity of the church. When we, we see this Pentecost day, Different languages, different backgrounds. This is the thing that I love about Houston. I love to just sit around sometimes and people watch. 
all the different places of birth and all the things that you can hear and see around this, this town. I love that about our church, that we are diverse people that are here. And I would love to know how many different languages that are, are represented on a, on a day like this or, or any part of our, our community. It's amazing the diversity, and God loves diversity as he started the church that day. There's uh, my, the, the daycare where, where Quinn goes to school last week, uh, she is two weeks ago, actually. I drop her off. I drop her off every morning. And uh, she goes outside, and they're on the playground that day. And when she came out uh, to the playground, you know, it's like their whole class. It's just when someone arrives, they just yell out their name. Quinn! It's, it's great. I want to be one of the little kids. And somebody, to, they don't do that when I show up here. Quinn! Matt! Uh, they just, in the little high school voice, Quinn! Quinny! And then these two little friends, they come up. These two little friends, just from their playground, they were playing, they stop everything, and they see Quinn, and Quinn's kind of shy when she comes in. And this little African-American girl, she runs up to Quinn, and this little girl that has some Asian descent in her, and she comes up, and they're coming together, and they form like this little trinity of little girls, and they put their heads together, and they just do this, and they do the noses, ooga, 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 ooga. I'm bawling. Uh, it was beautiful, man. That's what God loves that. That's what the church is all about. That's who we are. I love playing sports. I've loved playing sports for a long time. There's individual sports, but the best sports are team sports. When parts come together and individuals lose their ego and it's all about the team. I love, I've never played an instrument, but I love watching a marching band. Have you ever seen a marching band competition? A good one. When a good band is playing, and it's like they're moving in just perfect motion together, everyone together. You don't even pay attention to the individual instruments anymore. It's like an amazing movement there that's happening on the field. That's what the church is, this unity. We're unified behind the common things that are there. If you ever get a chance, I hope that you have, go to a worship Concert. I don't even know how to say that. A worship service concert where there's a, a, a big name worship band, not an artist where you know like one individual name, but a group like a Passion or, or um, who is someone, Hillsong or, or one of those groups. When it's about the worship and the time that you're, you're into these songs and what you're doing is you don't care who's singing the songs, it's about what you're singing. And a scene, something kind of like this happens. And I love in those moments to not look at the stage, but to begin to look around me and people from Nazarene churches and Baptist churches and probably Catholics and whoever, Episcopals, and they're all coming together and they're rallying around one name, the name of Jesus. When the church got started that day, it was all about, their whole life was centered around this Jesus the teachings of Jesus, the things that they learned. And he is the cornerstone of the church. He is the banner of who we are. What if our lives were totally centered around Jesus? What if as a people, everything that we did, did you hear what we said or we read? Every day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into prayer, to gathering together, to fellowship, Jesus at the center of it all. Is there anything that we ever put in the center of our lives that doesn't have the name Jesus? We gotta kick it out. The thing that we do, our occupation, 
Maybe our kids are at the center of our life. Maybe it's our spouse, whatever it is, the hobby that we have that's in the center. What if Jesus was in the center of our life, that he was moving us, he was shaping us into who we're called to be, to realign our lives to this person of Jesus? Man, that's what I love about the church. They would eat together a lot. They love to fellowship together. They like to go to the table together. I kind of think, this is my personal theory, that Jesus liked food a lot, okay? Read this in Luke. He comes back from the grave. He appears to the disciples in the upper room. One of the first sentences he says to his disciples, do you have anything to eat, okay? Do you have anything to eat because I'm hungry? When we sit down together and we fellowship at a table, the people of God, what happens? We talk about Jesus. We talk about how do we live this life as, as Christ followers in this world. What do we do as parents? What do we do in a world that this just feels like there's pressure at all times? That's what the people of God start to talk about. And then they, they do this thing in the, the first church. They begin to pass out the bread and they drink from a cup. Now here's my, here's my take and my, my theory, and I think that I'm right on this. I could be wrong, but I'm, no, I'm pretty sure that I'm right here. This wasn't a ritual that they did where they took a little wafer or, and then they, they held it up. I think when they sat at the table, and just like us, they liked bread a lot, when the bread was passed around and it was broken, they remembered the night that Jesus met with them in an upper room, and he said, guess what, tomorrow, tomorrow is not gonna be good, but it's gonna be amazing in the end. My body is going to be broken. My blood is going to be spilled. And we remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we take as believers together, it doesn't matter if it's in this setting or if it's a, a table out there, we stop and we remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are unified by grace. And it's a beautiful story because this room is represented with great stories. There's people in this room you grew up in the church all your life. And it was your mom or your dad's faith or your uncle or your grandma's faith, but there was a point where he said, this is mine. This is mine. I follow Jesus. I serve Jesus. For some of you, you were, you were really lost. You were really far away. You maybe didn't even come to church or, or like church. Maybe you knew some church people and you didn't want to have anything to do with that. But one day... Something different happened in you. Your eyes are open, and so you're like, I get it. I get this Jesus. I get this God. He loved me so much that he would do that for me. I want to follow that Jesus. And our stories are unified by grace, by grace. And God gave us a mission to go out into the world. Our job is all the same, to go and make disciples in the world to serve others, to love others, to tell people who this Jesus all of, is all about. And what did they do? They even sold their stuff and gave it to people in need. Why? Because the people of God can't stand it when there's someone hungry in the world. The people of God can't stand it when there's someone that doesn't have a home. The people of God can't stand it when there was someone in need. Why? Because God can't stand it, and he puts it in us to serve and to love others. That's what the church is all about, and it's our birthday today. It's our birthday, people, and so we celebrate, and we remember what we're all about. And so what we're going to do in the next few minutes, it's going to be great. We're going to go to the table.
We're gonna break bread together. We're gonna remember the grace of God. And after that, we are gonna see people who are going to profess for the first time that they are followers of Jesus Christ and their life is, is Jesus's now and they live for him and it's gonna be awesome. All right, so this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask the worship band to come up. And I've asked some people to help us serve. At our church, uh, you don't have to be a member of uh, Houston First to, to take communion. You just have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I asked you just to take a few minutes. Maybe the, the question of today is the same for, for those people that heard the, the message for the first time. It's this, Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. He's the creator of everything, and he died for you. How are you gonna respond to that? And the people's response was, well, what do we do? And Peter, what did he say? Repent, turn toward God. Maybe you needed some time of confession today. Maybe you wanna say, God, I'm sorry. I want to give my life to you. You can do that right now. After you've done that, after you've spent some time with God, I invite you to come to the table. We take bread and we take a cup because that's what Jesus did. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he said, this is my body which was broken for you. He said, this is my, my blood as he took the cup and it was shed for you and the forgiveness of sins. And so we take by intention, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, we actually use bread to remind us so what you'll do is you'll just come up and you're going to dip the piece of bread in, in the cup and you're going to take it. Now what I love to do is, is there's some people that are going to serve you, but then they're going to hand the elements to you and you're going to serve the person beside you that comes behind you. Because as grace is given, grace is given out. So I invite you to come to the table this morning. I'm going to pray and then after that we'll, we'll celebrate baptism. God, you're good to us, Lord. Thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you for this thing called the church, this people of God, this movement of God in the world. God, thank you for friends and family that we can come to a table together and we can remember your love for us, to remember our stories and how you've worked in our lives, God. I pray that you would meet us in this space in the next few minutes. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Come as you're ready.